the most successful individuals and the most successful teams can stay focused on that which they can control. And one thing that we can always control is our preparation and our attitude. Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer, and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity, and helping others to do the same. This episode was previously recorded and published on the Outperform podcast. Our quote for today is from Warren Bennis, and it is, growing other leaders from the ranks isn't just the duty of a leader, it's an obligation. I'm very excited about our guest today, Eric Kaptulik. Eric is a well-known and well-respected leader. He served in the U.S. Marine Corps, both as an infantry officer and a special operations officer with the 1st Reconnaissance Company, 1st Marine Division. As a platoon leader within his company, Eric led a team of 20 covert operations specialists on numerous special forces-related missions. After leaving active duty, Eric founded the program in 2008 with the sole purpose of developing better leaders and creating more cohesive teams. As a leadership trainer and coach, Eric and his team have worked with some of the top college sports teams in the country, as well as numerous leading businesses. Welcome, Eric. It's an honor to have you on Outperform. Thanks, Robert, for having me. I'm excited to uh, join you and your listeners this morning. Before we get into what your company, the program does, I'd love to hear about your journey to starting it originally and getting it to where it is today. Lots of people will tell me, man, Eric, that, what a great idea. And I'll always tell them, thanks. It, it is a good idea. Uh, it's not my idea, but it's a good one. Uh, what I mean by that is I had attended the Naval Academy, as you said in my bio, I served eight years in the Marine Corps as an infantry officer and then in Marine Corps Special Operations. Uh, attended Chicago Business School, and then, as my joke goes, after a year and a half, a very, very long year and a half in finance, I decided that I would start my own business. And I knew I loved athletics. I've loved athletics my entire life and knew that I wanted to do something inside the athletic industry. And at the time, when I first started the program, I started it with the idea in mind that we would provide hourly strength and conditioning coaches to high schools. I was coaching when I was in finance. I was helping to coach. I was an assistant coach at a prep school up in Massachusetts. I was the assistant lacrosse coach. And being the assistant lacrosse coach, I noticed what a beautiful strength and conditioning slash weight room facility this school had. And then the schools that we competed against, I noticed they had the same type of facilities. And I thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea if we could, they would hire us. It doesn't pay them to have a full-time strength and conditioning coach because like they do in college, because at the high school level, the student athletes and students are really only using the facility for three hours a day. So that's my original business plan. Okay, start your company called The Program that does and provides hourly strength and conditioning services for high school age students and student athletes. And we did, in fact, gain a few clients doing that. At the same time, a week after I opened the doors at The Program, the Harvard men's lacrosse coach, John Tillman, called me. 
And he said, Cap, do you remember what you did to the guys a couple of years ago at Navy? Well, the last thing I did in the Marine Corps was after my special time in special operations, I was a director of admissions at the United States Naval Academy. As soon as I had arrived there, the lacrosse coach called me up. He had been the lacrosse coach my senior year at the Naval Academy. He called me up. Some guys had gotten in trouble and he had said, Eric, can you come down here and just wear these guys out for a couple days? So that's what I did. I, I just really brought the men's lacrosse team at the Naval Academy through some basic workouts that we would do while I was a platoon commander at First Force Reconnaissance Company in the Marine Corps. Well, now fast forward a number of years, I just have opened the doors for the program. The assistant coach on that Navy team is the new men's lacrosse coach at Harvard University. He calls me up and says, Cap, I just took over one of the softest teams in the softest sports on the softest, you know, on and on. Can you come down here and just wear these guys out like you did at Navy five years ago, six years ago? So I went down there and that's what I did. And that was our first collegiate athletic team client. Now, in our first year in business, we worked with three college athletic teams. And what we did was I would just wear guys out. I would just bring them through versions of our typical workouts in a special operations, in a Marine Corps special operations unit. While I did so, I would just call out team captains to come out in front and lead the team in some very basic exercises. I noticed that by and large, they were very bad at doing so. Their communication was poor. Their command authority was poor. Their ability to delineate and designate subordinate leaders, get them to help you. Their ability to get the team to move like one team with one heartbeat. Most importantly, their even knowledge of the standards for good leaders and the standards for good teammates, again, was poor. So by year two, I was no longer working out with teams. I noticed that and recognized, hey, look, these guys have strength and conditioning coaches. They don't need another strength and conditioning coach. They don't need somebody working out with them, but they do need somebody to help develop their leadership and teammateship skills. So from that initial year working with three college men's lacrosse teams that has then developed. Uh, I, I take great pride in the fact of saying that I found I founded the program, but we made it what it is. And now after 10 years uh, from those three teams, we now work with approximately 160 collegiate and professional athletic teams and major corporations on an annual basis. Yeah, and we actually met because I came to one of your programs that you were running for entrepreneurs organization, and it was a whole group of CEOs, so that made it interesting in itself. And I think I answered some trivia question right, so I was put in charge of the whole platoon that day, and I, and I, and I learned a lot from it. I made a lot of leadership mistakes that day, but there was really one that stuck with me. I think we had 10 minutes to complete. Is it 10 minutes to complete the actual mission? I don't want to give too much away, but do you remember, what's the time that you're supposed to do it in? It's funny, uh, Robert, because every team we give different amounts of time to based on the team, who they are, any number of different scenarios, a team that that was a unique event because it was a bunch of, I mean, in truth, individual CEOs. 
which would be different than if we were to work with a designated corporate team of people who know each other, who work with each other on a regular basis. So we adjust the time for all of those events. With that said, 10 minutes seems a bit longer than what we would probably give you. Uh, So I probably gave you somewhere between five or six, I would think. All right. What you asked us was how much time as as individual leaders that we wanted to practice before starting. Do you remember my answer on that? Did you say, no, we're good? Close. I think I said, well, we'll take two minutes. And I I don't know whether it was you or someone said you should. So I went the other way and I asked for an hour. (laughs) He said, no, no, no. How's how's 10 minutes? But, you know, it really occurred to me. And I think that I talk about this a lot. And one of the differences between sports and and business leadership is is the time spent practicing to the time spent doing probably the military, you know, as well. And I, and I, I, I realized, I thought a lot about the default responses. If I had to do a five minute exercise, why, I mean, I, I would want five hours to prepare the five minute exercise, but I don't, I mean, I'd love for you to illuminate on this because I think it's a huge difference between what the military does, what sports teams do and, and how businesses operate. Yeah, thanks. It's a great question. I think that, Our training is set up so that a core belief at the program is personal development, leadership development, and team building through shared adversity. And that we only grow as individuals and as a team when we're outside of our comfort zone. Most of the teams, and by teams I mean athletic, corporate, civil, et cetera, et cetera, who hire us, the leaders already do a pretty good job of teaching people how to be better leaders. That's pretty consistent. Uh, Maybe it's just information bias, right? Maybe the only people who look for services like ours are already teaching their teams how to be better leaders and better teammates. But in any event, in our experiences, most of the teams with whom we work do a nice job of teaching people how to be better leaders. But our example is there's how you teach somebody to be a better leader is much different than developing those skills. How you teach somebody to be a better teammate is much different than developing your teammateship skills. What that means is most of us have the right answer when we're sitting in an air-conditioned classroom, but it's much more challenging when a client is sitting across the table from us or we're preparing for to meeting that client, or we're faced with some adversity with our team, whatever it might be. Personality conflicts, team cohesion conflicts. Everybody has the right answer in an air-conditioned classroom. In our vernacular, what we say is everybody's a hero when it's 70 degrees and sunny and there's a slight breeze blowing it off the coast. Unfortunately, you don't need great team leaders and great teammates until it's not. And you only prove how good a team leader, you only prove how good a teammate you are when it's not, when you are faced with adversity. Well, we want our training to be and have adversity in it so that you can learn about yourself, learn about your strengths and your deficiencies that maybe if we address, it makes us even that much better as a team leader and teammate. And we're only going to get that when that first bead of sweat hits your forehead figuratively, or that day that we were working with each other doing our small boat leadership challenge, literally. So specifically, we're going to ask individuals, well, how much time do you need? And the reason why we do that is it provides stress. For most of us as leaders, 
we're in environments that are systemically stressful. And then as leaders, we either add stress to the environment or we allow the team to do so. In any event, we're responsible for either case, which is exactly the opposite of what we should be doing as leaders. We have controlled environments. We control all the variables. And there's uncontrolled environments where there's an enemy out there that wants to kill us, literally or figuratively. But in either case, our job as leaders is to make controlled environments appear as uncontrolled as possible in training, in our preparation, but then to make uncontrolled environments appear as controlled as possible. We do a poor job of that as leaders. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, you know, an example of that, I think I talked about this in a recent Friday Forward, but I, w- I was at a pretty intense leadership program that I had attended before and I was on the faculty this time. And, and there's a gentleman who's become a good friend of mine who teaches public speaking there. And he, he runs a seminar during the day and he has a short amount of time to get everyone to give a speech as part of this. And he was really pushing them to move forward, pick a topic. Everyone wanted to slow it down. They wanted more detail. And they were getting really frustrated, <laughs> frustrated with him. You know, they were uncomfortable and they were getting frustrated. And he, he said to everyone, sit down. They sat down and he, he, again, he's a public speaking teacher. And he looked around the room and he said, look, I get it. You want more time. You want more clarity. But I need you to do this. This is the time that we had. And by the way, my job is to make this really hard in here and really uncomfortable and really difficult in here. So that when you go out to do it in the real world, that the practice was harder than the real world. And, you know, everyone changed their demeanor, went back to work. They got it. 
it's just something that I don't think that we actualize and that that you should make the practice harder than reality. So reality doesn't seem so bad. I mean, the worst thing is if you if you go into a game or a battle or otherwise, you know, and, and not expecting much and then find it's much harder than you expected. Yeah, that's 100% right. I couldn't agree more. Further, what we'll say is people will always talk about, man, that's such an emotional environment. And we always think, oh boy, because being emotional means, well, I feel this emotion, whether it's happy, sad, frustrated, and I show that happy, sad, frustrated emotion. Now, by and large, it's very difficult for us to control what emotions we are feeling internally. But we 100% control the choice we make with those emotions. Most of us do a very poor job. We are, in fact, emotional. Now, what we stress to leaders is, no, instead of being emotional, be passionate. And let your passion be mission-driven and not emotion-driven, whether that's as an individual or most certainly with our teams. So that you're going to get frustrated. There's time crunches that occur. Of course, internally, we will feel that pressure. And very often, to your point, Robert, right, that, that pressure can build frustration. Most People, whether it's teammates or team leaders, then show their frustration, sighs, rolling the eyes. We start complaining. We let all of these external factors that we don't control, control us. We let it occur. Instead, be passionate. Let your passion be mission-driven and not emotion-driven. What's the difference? As we talk about at the program, one second. That's the difference. We have some emotion that we have inside of our body. Take one second to think, how do I let this emotion help me accomplish our mission? If you do, it doesn't mean you're always going to be right. But at least as what we teach, at least your thought process will be right. So how do you turn fear into or panic into a positive emotion or positive outcome? That's such a broad term. (laughs) I I would say, what is the root cause of that panic? Very often, people are stressed because of lack of preparation. And now you have a lack of preparation. You have not done everything that you could do in your preparation time. Now it turns into the execution phase. You have not done everything you could have done in the preparation phase, in which case you probably should be panicked. (laughs) There's a reason for it. And now the execution phase, you're going to do very little about it, in fact. So you've made your your bed at that point. Now you're sleeping in it, right? Now you're sleeping in it. The most successful individuals and the most successful teams can stay focused on that which they can control. And one thing that we can always control is our preparation and our attitude. And it seems true for individuals. I mean, I, this concept keeps coming up in, in, in whether it's stoicism or leadership, or anything I read around, you know, people who, who just control what they can control and, and don't worry about the stuff that they can control and don't get the two mixed between external events and then what they're actually able to control. Yeah. Oh, agreed. 
it's easier said than done. Let me oh, yeah. let me let me be the first person to tell you that. Oh, believe me, there's nights where I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I lay in bed looking up at the ceiling about things that either a I don't control them or it's going to be a few hours until I can do anything about them. But yet I'm going to lose sleep. And then that loss of sleep makes me worse during the day. That loss of sleep will make me frustrated. I mean, it's something that we have to continuously work on for, I think all of us do. Yeah. So you, you and your team work with, as we talked about a lot of the country's elite sports teams and uh, some members of our team were, were elite athletes. So in looking around today, do you have a model of a great coach to you personally on your journey? Or who do you see as sort of the great coaches doing things right today, either in collegiate sport or professional sport? Well, as far as doing it right, I think right can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different me- many people, right? I mean, <laughs> as my wife will point out, I always think I'm right. Well, that's true, but I think that's true for most people. <laughs> Uh, and because we think there's a right way to do things, that's the way that we do them. And if we think there's a right way to do things, that means there's some things that are wrong ways to do them. I think that we at the program, we're very fortunate now. We have the opportunity to work with approximately 150 to 160 different collegiate professional athletic teams and corporations on a year to year basis. We're able to see a lot of different ways to do things. And in those different way to do things, there may be ways that are wrong for one group and they're very right for another group, whether it's on an individual basis or on a team basis. With all that said, Robert, I think that now in our 10th year in business and having that opportunity to work with so many teams on an annual basis, one of the things that the more time that we spend doing this that's highlighted is But there are some consistencies that successful people and successful teams all do. Some things that have stood out to me recently. How about I talk about some of those things that have stood out to me recently? I heard Coach Hutchins, a a Hall of Fame softball coach from the University of Michigan. I heard her once talk about losing a recruit. If I lose a recruit, she said, she might, she might beat me twice a year. If I make a mistake on a recruit, she beats me every day. I love love that quote. That's true for all of us, right? Regardless, whether you're talking about an athletic team, a corporation, whatever the organization you're talking about, that is a truism for all of us, right? Number one. Number two, we had the opportunity a few weeks ago to work with Kansas State football. I am not personally involved with all of those 150 to 160 teams. I'm very blessed. And that's why I say that I'm very proud of, of I founded the program. I'm also, I can't say it quick enough that we have made it what it is. I have such great teammates that have made the program what it is that I don't have to be involved with all of those 150 to 160 teams. And in fact, most of the time, I just get in the way of our instructors doing great work. With some teams and some organizations, though, I do stay involved, whether it's for my own professional development or the program just needs me to. And I will admit that on some of our events, I just want to be there. 
we've had the opportunity to work with Coach Bill Snyder in Kansas State football a few weeks ago. I wanted to be there. And the reason why I wanted to be there is, yes, even though we do work with so many great teams and so many great leaders, whether it's college or pro athletic teams or, or, or corporate teams, it's rare that we get to work with a team whose leader has been doing whatever it is for as long as I've been alive, number one. Number two, has been doing it successfully for that long. And has the highway that you drive on to get there named after them? The stadium when you get there named after they and their family and is still doing something that they're in a Hall of Fame for, whatever that Hall of Fame might be. So I had the opportunity. Coach Snyder's you know, almost 80 years old. He's already a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. And he hires us, all of whom, us, that us, all of whom haven't been alive for as long as he's been doing what he's been doing. And he hires us, in his own words, to make him better, to make his organization better. We have to have enough ego to be extremely confident in what we're doing, but just humble enough to realize that we don't know everything. I mean, if, if Coach Snyder can do that, boy, I certainly can. The ability for, for leaders in our vernacular to stay focused on mission accomplishment and taking care of their teammates, that's it. Regardless of whether it's 70 degrees or sunny or it is not. To stay selfless when things aren't going your way. To stay disciplined, the ability to do what you say you are going to do and do it on a consistent basis, not just when things are going well, but even more importantly, and vitally when things are not. Some of those things, regardless of personalities or team organization, what battlefield those individuals and teams are competing, those are certainly things that, yes, I will argue those things are right. And no, you will not convince me otherwise. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. You work with a lot of college teams. You see some incredible stuff. There's a topic I know we've talked about that we're, we're both equally passionate about, and that is youth sports today. I'd love to hear your take on on sort of sports and 
I mean, this is multifaceted, but sort of what is the role of kids and parents and, and how has it changed? It just, it seems like uh, there's a lot of stuff going off the rails and that we have more and more people doing clubs and, and all this other types of stuff and, and just worried about winning and losing and not playing. And the, and the parents just are involved at a level on the playing field where they're having to be taken out of parking lots and stuff like that. So I, I know you have a budding athlete in your house. And so you're, <laughs> I'm very curious to your perspective on this. I think this is one of the more interesting subjects of our generation. Yeah. Thank you so much. If with now having children, raising children, and I use that term and I stole it from my own mom who I've heard say countless times, you do not let children grow up, you raise them. But raising children and now at least my son who, who's six going on seven, being old enough to participate in youth sports, our at the program's privilege of working with athletes from youth through professional I think we have a very unique perspective on this uh, and, and probably being that we are all a sum of our experiences, just my overall life experiences have made me a person. And again, getting back to my wife, she yells at me constantly about this. Everybody wants to talk about kids these days, kids these days, this kids these days that in, in my ear, it sounds like you know, kids these days. It's really nasally and really annoying when I hear somebody use that term. But I've got to tell you, and this is probably not great marketing for Eric Kapitulik or the program, but chances are I love your kid. It's you, the parent that I don't like. And I don't like many at all. But man, kids, kids I love. <laughs> what do I yeah, mean? I mean you, said, you, you said it very specifically. You said it's parents these days, right? When I, when I saw yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, you, everybody wants to talk about kids these days, this, kids these days, that. It's not the kids. It's us. It's the parents that are different. I mean, Robert, think about this one statement and how often you hear parents talk about their kid who's entitled and doesn't take responsibility for their actions. Okay, but do you realize as a parent that your biggest responsibility is that child that you're saying does not take responsibility? If your child does not take responsibility, that's because it's your fault as the parent. Take responsibility yourself. And that's systemic with parents these days, teachers, coaches, leaders. It's us that's different. It's not the kids these days that are any different. There's a great book called Boys Adrift. Now, let me highlight, there is a book called Girls Adrift. It's right now sitting in my nook. I'm reading a different book right now. As soon as I get done reading it, I'm reading Girls Adrift. But I read Boys Adrift prior to the birth of my son. It was recommended by a coach. There was a line in the book that when I read it, I called my wife over to it and said, we have got to remember this. Please, I want you to read the whole book, but if not, just read this one passage. And we have to remind ourselves about this every single morning that we wake up as parents. And the line and passage in the book was, the issue that we have in American society is that we prepare the path for the child. When in fact, our job as parents, coaches, teachers, leaders is to prepare our child for the path. But most of us, we don't do that. We don't want our child to fail. 
what our definition of failure is, is messed up, is quite frankly, in getting back to right and wrong, most parents, your definition of failure is wrong. It's, well, I don't want my child to be unhappy. It's, my son isn't getting playing time. I'm going to go talk to the coach about their playing time. It's always somebody else's fault. It's, we don't want to have any adversity in that path that our child is going to be going on called life. We're going to take out the bumps, the roots, the heck, we're going to pave it over the path. (laughs) While instead, let's prepare our child for the path. And we do so starting when they're babies or just out of, you know, as adolescents. You're not receiving the playing time that you want to receive. Okay, work harder. Work harder. Okay, you want to have a conversation with your coach about what you can do better. Okay, that's not my job as your parent. That's your job to go talk to your coach. And and let me stop here by saying we have so many outstanding parents and coaches, teachers, business leaders that believe that. They believe it. They know it. And that's the way that they, as parents, they parent. Unfortunately, we have a huge group of our society now that they, it might sound good to them. It's just not what they do. So for us, what we teach is that all of us perform best in a structure. That doesn't mean, and people will be quick, they'll see my bio and they'll be like, well, not all, it's not the Marine Corps. And and that's a cop out to me because I'm not talking about left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. We all wear the same things. We all do. No, that's ridiculous. That is the military and it works for the military. What I'm saying as parents and for all of us as business leaders of the people that we hire and work with us on our team, we all perform best with a structure. What forms that structure? Goals, goals and standards. But goals are performance-based. It's what we want to achieve, how we want to perform. Standards are how we behave. Standards and goals provide the structure that we live our lives in. All of us as individuals, almost every team that we're a member of, have goals. Very few, or at least, let me say, championship teams. And by teams, I mean families, businesses. Championship teams have goals and standards. The difference is very apparent. And let's talk, get back to youth sports. A team finishes a game. The child comes to the sideline. What is the first thing a parent is talking to their child about? Hey, how many goals did you get? Or, boy, that was an awesome goal you had an awesome assist you had. Oh, God, you hit a home run today. Okay, as a parent, what you're recognizing and reinforcing with your child as far as what is important to you is hitting home runs, scoring goals. You see it everywhere in youth sports, high school sports, college sports. Everything is about, man, that's awesome what you did, how many home runs you hit. My wife and I look at things very differently. Please don't get me wrong that we don't get excited when 
our son, my daughter's 15 months old, so the the verdict is still out, right? But but my son is six, right? Please don't get us wrong. We get excited with my son when he comes off the football field and says, oh man, did you see the touchdown that I scored? Of course, we're going to get excited with him, but we let him bring it up. And believe me, your child will bring those things up. All of us do. What my wife and I make sure that we reinforce is behavior. Axel, were you tough out there today? Tell me what tough means, Axel. Give me an example of you being tough today. Do you think you were tough, Axel? Do you think you could have been tougher? Axel, did you work hard? What does it mean to work hard, Axel? I saw you work really hard in the in the first quarter. What about when you were down by three touchdowns? Were you still working just as hard then? Did you make it fun? Again, it's not your coach's job for you to have fun. It's your job to make it fun. Did you say please and thank you? Those are the behaviors that my wife and I reinforce at the end of every practice and every game with our child. Yep, we're going to be happy for them and with them when they score touchdowns or score goals, for sure. But not at the expense of, were you these things? Did you behave this way? And of course, when it comes to performance, the first thing that we're getting excited about with our child and reinforcing with them is, did your team win? Did your team lose? Did your team X? Did your team? (laughs) We're going to talk about the team and the importance of it. We feel in just standing on the sidelines or coaching a lot of those youth sports, I'm very fortunate that my job allows me to coach my son in in many of those sports and and will, I'll do the same for my daughter, where asked, boy, we see it a lot where that's just not the case, Robert. And you wonder why it's causing individuals who care about just themselves. Both of my sons play pretty competitive soccer and, and both of their Coaches, both in a club league and a town league, have sent out e- had to send out emails, kind of asking parents to. And and one I think I shared with you, and in the term in the last one was, please stop joysticking your kid from the sideline. And when you're when you're yelling at them and correcting them and that stuff, they can't learn. We can't coach, and it's sad that we've gotten to this place. Uh, but I think, you know, as you said, the values are essential. I I really. I think about that a lot when my son comes over sometimes. Oh, he missed a few goals or whatever. I really try to talk with him about the effort or how he played overall and not necessarily what what the outcome for him was. Uh, obviously, burst the team. But I, I see the different approaches. And yeah, the parents these days, I, I think that's a line everyone should keep repeating because it's true. Well, we only have a few minutes left. So I want to make sure uh, I get you to answer this question before we wrap up here because I know we could go on for a while. Looking back on your own journey, and let's say even over the last 10 years, and in building the program and everything you've done, what's a leadership mistake that you've made or something you failed at that you've learned the most from? Thank you for asking the question. (laughs) My hesitation is not because I haven't made mistakes as a leader. There, there There have been countless mistakes that I have made. Let me talk about one mistake and then I'll, I'll talk about a regret because yeah. mistakes, I don't really dwell on them. You make a mistake, you learn from it, you move on. I mean, that, that's just the way I, and that's just not as a business leader. That's, that's yeah. I don't know if I was born that way, but for as long as I remember, that's the way it is. I just don't beat myself up for too long about my mistakes. But one of the things that we've done as, as an organization, and it started with me, is I found that I was having to let go 
a large number of people that I hired. <laughs> I had a chance to talk to a venture capitalist friend of mine and I asked him, hey, what's the right answer? Like, how, is there a firm that you would, is there a turnover rate that makes you scared about that you wouldn't invest in, in that firm? And he stopped me almost mid-sentence and said, oh no, no, 50%, you, maybe you get it right, 50%, maybe you get it wrong. That doesn't scare us away. How long leaders live with their mistakes, that does. So it really gave me pause because I thought back, okay, so that's good to know. You, you really don't know what you're gonna get out of somebody until they join your team. But how long are you willing to live with that mistake? Because the longer that you live with that mistake as a leader, you're hurting everybody on your team that you made the right choice with. And a mistake of mine that we've since switched is before at the program, I used to be 100% of the solution of hiring. I would hire people. I would get a gut instinct on them. Well, I like them or I don't like them. And, and okay, well, I'll hire you. Being honest with myself and just seeing the turnover that we had at the program, I realized I wasn't very good at it. And we had to do things differently. And the way that we've done things differently is certainly your resume has to have certain things on it to even be considered to work with us. But boy, there's a lot of people who have those certain things on their resume that you just need, the checks in the boxes that we need for you to work with us. Instead, I think back to, okay, but what is our culture? Our culture at the program is a culture of selflessness, toughness, and discipline. We need to be selfless, tough, and disciplined. Can you make people more selfless? Can you make them tougher? Can you make them more disciplined? Sure, we can. I just don't know why we want to. Let's just recruit it. And the way that we do so is I let all of the major culture carriers at the program the men and women that have been with me the longest, the men and women who represent selfless, tough, and disciplined the most, I let them do all of the interviewing. I let them decide who we hire and who we don't. And it's not a vote. It's not a this democratic, well, there's seven people who are the most selfless, tough, and disciplined. And if they're four to three in favor of hiring somebody, then we hire somebody. Nope. If we're not 7-0, and o, we don't hire that person. Getting back to Coach Hutchins, and if I lose a recruit, well, maybe she beats me twice. If I make a mistake on one, she beats me every day. Boy, we make sure that we believe that and follow that. Doing that has made us a better firm. By me, as the leader, removing myself from the hiring of our team, we're a much better team for it. With that said, I am still 100% part of the firing or letting go of certain teammates because I'm not going to live with ultimately it's my, it, I, I take full responsibility for who we hire. Even if I'm not part of the process, I'm still responsible for it, right. and which means I'm still fully responsible for who we let go. I just make sure that we do so and we don't live with my mistake for very long. It's a mistake I made for years. It was ego driven. Oh, I got to change this person. I got to change this person. Well, I decided to bring them here, so I got to prove myself right. That's my ego talking, and who does it hurt? It hurt my teammates and our organization. It's a mistake that I made for countless years. It's something that 
we've corrected as an organization. That would be a mistake that I've made that I would share with everybody. Regret, regrets always come back to relationships. And what are things that occur that I regret? Robert, I, I tell everybody that I'm, heck, I even have to tell my wife this sometimes, that I'm a very, I try to be, and I, I believe I am, my wife tells me I am, a very good husband. I wasn't a very good boyfriend, and I regret that. And yeah, you can say, well, you're young or this or that. I wasn't that young. I mean, I only got married eight years ago. So and I'm 45 right now. And I bring that up just because I feel that most of us will have lots of mistakes in our lives. But what do we regret? We regret relationships, problems in our relationships. And that's one of them. Are we going to be 80 years old? And are you going to regret your relationship that you had with your sons? Right? Or in my case, sons and daughters, right? Yeah. I mean, before that, are we going to regret the relationships that we have with our wives, our husbands? There's a mistake. There's a, there's a regret. You get extra credit for both. And thank you for, <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of takeaway lessons in there, both for business leaders and, and people thinking about their family and relationships. So. I think the listeners will get a lot out of that. So Eric, congrats on the continued success of the program. You're clearly doing incredible work. It's very inspiring. And I appreciate you taking the time to join us on Outperform today. Robert, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed our time that we spent uh, together. Congratulations to you as well with Acceleration Partners. And I appreciate your continued, your weekly uh, newsletter. Uh, it's compelling for your listeners out there who are not signed up for it. Uh, I would certainly do so. And I would make your friends and, and co-workers sign up for it as well. Uh, those newsletters have made me better. Uh, I appreciate the time you spent with me. And I, I look forward to us our staying in touch. It makes me better. Thank you, Eric. All right. So our listeners will include links to Eric's website and resources in the show notes, as well as that Friday Forward post that I mentioned earlier. And if you're interested in listening via iTunes, we'd love you to rate the podcast. And thank you for listening. And until next time, keep outperforming. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast.
or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.